0: Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. And joining me in the virtual studios from beautiful South Bend, Indiana, on the campus of the University of Notre Dame, is my good friend and colleague who sung backup vocals on the swing-out sister hit single, Breakout.
1: Breakout. The one and only
0: Ken Helanius. Yes.
1: (laughs) Oh, That's a great song, man. I was thinking about,
0: like, oh, man, could you hear Ken back there in those (laughs) backgrounds? That's awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was at a wedding a few weeks ago in the beautiful city of Detroit, the Motor City. I did not see Ted Nugent, sadly, but uh, the band at the reception was fantastic. It was called the Chateau Band. And I never know what to expect when I go to wedding receptions. You know, a DJ is great live music. You just never know what you're going to get. This band was fantastic. And it just made me wish that I had some sort of musical skills so that on weekends I could, I could earn a quick 50 bucks as well. But no, it was a, it was delightful. I, I, uh, they were rocking. Of course we were in Detroit, so they did some Motown. Uh, we heard some Otis Redding. We had all sorts of fantastic stuff coming off the, uh, off the, the old musical dais there. It was a good time. I, every now and then you find a great wedding band that's awesome (laughs) yeah
0: because i mean a lot of people i think opting for djs because of the cost sure you know um hiring an entire band versus a a dj to spin records and things so
1: now i'm realizing deacon as i'm thinking about this wait a minute you played in a band during your college days here at notre dame didn't you
0: i did i i played a guitar in the jazz band in the B band. There were two bands. There was the A band and the B band. I was in the B band Okay, because I'm self-taught. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, we toured around a little bit and did some gigs and I also played in the groove, which was the a groove. campus band, very popular campus band. And we had a horn section and oh, man. Uh, we had two female singers. It was, it was actually a, it was a lot of fun. Oh, man. It was a lot of fun. And uh, funny you mentioned, I was just listening to uh you know cuz back then of course there's no internet there's no social media there's no digital anything right so but we did have a recording that uh someone transferred it onto like an mp uh 3 or actually mp4 file Okay, so it was us playing a gig at Steppen center not the whole not the whole thing but a couple of songs you know, and uh, and and you hear me, you see and hear me playing guitar. Oh man, uh, on there. So how is this uh, not yet? Like, oh wow,
1: how is this not yet on the YouTubes? Is what I want to
0: know. I know I got. I, I, I'm I'm debating whether I should upload that oh. or not. You know. <laughs> so, oh man, uh, my channel doesn't lend itself to that kind of stuff. So,
1: <laughs> but who knows? It'll be fun. Here's the thing, Deacon. We've been talking about wanting to take a pilgrimage with our listeners. I've got the solution. You ready? We do in the footsteps of, of Saint Paul as a cruise. And you are the also. Uh, while we're on the water each night at dinner, you're the band. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I hardly play uh, anymore. <laughs> I just, uh, I just don't, I just don't have time. I mean, I still have my guitar plugged in, and mm-hmm. I'll pick it up and noodle around every once in a while. But I'm just so busy. I also don't yeah. have time to, Out uh, there preaching. to play as much as I did back then. Yeah.
1: That's the thing, man. Yeah. You know, preaching the word and being an evangelist is getting in the way of your musical career. Come on. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do love music, though. I mean, yeah. uh, I always have. Everybody says, okay, my father was a professional musician, so I think that's where my love for music came from. And- yeah. And, I, and I, I listen to all kinds of music, really, except country. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I just can't. Stab me in the know, heart. For some reason, I just can't get into it, you know? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, I have nothing against country singers. I mean, I think they're very talented, but I just can't get into the genre. Well, that so, doesn't.
1: Sorry, uh, we now that we've lost all of our Texas affiliates. Uh, <laughs> And Tennessee, you know, no, that's okay. Uh, that's the thing. Music is beautiful because it is truly, you know, you can't mandate somebody like a certain kind of music, and it's it's all personal taste. But it's all somebody's finding beauty in it, and therefore it's being recorded. Even even music I I don't really care to listen to, it, somebody has found beauty in that. Even. Yeah, true. I was. I was just about to say, even a Yoko Ono album will sell every now and then too. <laughs> 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 um, I'm a terrible person. Oh sorry. boy. Well, Deacon, well, we've t- been chatting about fathers and doctors, and last week we met the great Saint Jerome. Uh, something I f- I didn't get to mention, and I forgot to mention, is let's just say that Saint Jerome was a also a very irascible character. He was well known for being very vitriolic uh, about things that he did not approve of, and so again, yes, he was a, a great. Uh, he gave advice and and you know formed a community uh, around himself and and uh, of patrons of uh, women in Rome particularly who wanted to be more holy and learn from the fruits of his own time as a hermit, but he also could be very very very. As I say, vitriolic in his letters, Uh, not necessarily as he was giving spiritual direction, but sometimes he was just it was just business letters or personal letters back and forth with, you know, Pope Damasus or with with others that he would write to. So I wanted to acknowledge that St. Jerome is not a saint because he was a perfect uh, example of charity all the time. But he was a saint because he used the great gifts that God gave him in service to advancing and sharing the faith. And uh, there are definitely aspects of St. Jerome that are imitable, uh, but not all of them. So that just wanted to acknowledge that.
0: <laughs> oh, all right. Well, see, God can make saints out of uh, anybody. That's right. right. That's right. We all have hope. That's right. We all have, well, today we're talking about uh, the great St. Benedict the founder of Western monasticism and considered a major influence on the development of European civilization and culture. He lived from 480 A.D. to 547. And, uh, of course, most people know him because he's the founder of the Benedictines. Mm -hmm. Uh, His most famous document, of course, is the Rule of St. Benedict, which is uh, followed by more monastic orders than any other rule in the world not just Benedictines um, but also Cistercians or Trappists also follow the, the rule of Saint Benedict as well. and of course the the sisters as well, the Benedictine sisters and Cistercians is probably well, the rule of Saint Benedict. So his um his brilliance and his influence cannot be under understated. We We know most more about um, Saint Benedict because of Pope Gregory the Great actually mm-hmm. um, he's the the biographer of Saint Benedict and that's what we learn mostly about his life and and his work outside of the rule of course right um that's where you get a lot of biog- uh, biographical information from yeah so Saint Benedict was born in Norcia, Italy and he is a twin oh. uh you know he yeah so he, he has a sister twin sister who is Saint Scholastica and she founded the order of nuns, Benedictine nuns and they're actually buried together. Uh, oh, now that I did Monte
1: not
0: Cassino. know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I had a chance to visit, obviously, because I was uh, discerning a vocation with the Benedictines for several years, and so I have a closeness to the, to the Benedictines, and I was able to go to Monte Cassino, and in the uh, church there are the tombs of Saint Benedict, and right next to him is his twin sister, Saint Scholastica.
1: Scholastica.
0: And so, oh, it was a little bit more about his biography. So he was born in 480. He was a twin. Uh, from Norcia. In fact, there is a group of monks who have returned to Norcia and established a monastery there, in St. Benedict's hometown. And they they do beer, you know, yes. and, and uh, support I have, themselves. And,
1: I actually have, uh, uh, they make two different kinds of beer and uh, somebody gave me a few bottles just a few months ago. I have not opened them yet. So, Perhaps tonight uh, after the show, I may enjoy one of those. We'll we'll have to see because uh, that's, you know, they got to support themselves somehow, right? That's right. And uh, so he
0: came from pretty affluent parents, actually, and uh, sent him to study in Rome. St. Benedict was put off by the uh, lifestyles that people were living in Rome, Uh um, that his his fellow students were, were living. I mean, just think about it. It's like going away to college. and You see all the you're there to study. And you see all the partying and some of the other things going on. And you're like, hey, wait a minute. This is not what I signed up for. Right, right. Uh, And uh, he didn't want to fall into the trap that his fellow students had fell into uh, seeking the pleasures of the world. Because he just all he wanted to do was just uh, to glorify God. And so even before he finished his studies, he withdrew from Rome in the solitude of the mountains uh, east of Rome. Just like St. Anthony the Desert, right? The founder of monasticism. That when he went to the mountains, he didn't go there to found a monastic order. He went there just to discern what God wanted to do with his life. So he became a hermit in the neighboring town uh, of uh, Subiaco. And he was there for about three years. He lived in a cave. So, what is it about Jerome was in a cave? St. <laughs> Benedict was in a cave, right? you know? Uh, but when you think about it, go, why would they live in a cave? Well, those are mostly where the where the houses were. I mean, if you ever go see Nazareth and you take the tour of uh, – they, they have a mock-up of a Nazarene town where Jesus – in fact, they even have a the home of, of Joseph and Mary right, and Jesus. Right? And you see it's carved out of rock. It's not like a traditional home the way we think of a home like made of wood or, or some brick Bricks, like that. Yeah, yeah. It's actually carved into the side of a mountain like a cave. You know, and these were the common dwellings of the people at the time. So it just wasn't okay. I went to a cave to be by myself. I mean, these were these were homes for a lot of folks. So he was there for about three years. Uh, so the place where he was kind of became like a grotto, you know. And and again, just like with Saint Anthony, m- men came out to seek spiritual advice and direction from him, and you know, saw the the lifestyle he was living, and wanted to be part of that, and so. That's when he kind of began taking people under his wing after spending three years in contemplation and prayer. And uh, he founded his first monastery uh, near Subiaco. It was the first uh, Benedictine monastery. And so in the year about 529 or so, he left Subiaco and settled in Monte Cassino. The monastery... Now, wh- why are monasteries important? Because remember, a lot of people were illiterate. They couldn't read or write. And so a lot of the the, the educated folks were the monks, and they were the ones who um, held on to a lot of the documents, who did a lot of the the writing and the translating. And they were the keepers, if you will, of of civilization and culture at the time.
1: Yeah, yep. you
0: know, um, And so Saint Benedict really facilitated that, especially in the in the writing right. of his rule. He was uh, steeped in an atmosphere of prayer. Because uh, he, with him, you know, without prayer, there's no experience of God, right? And so Saint Benedict tried to balance work and prayer. So the famous line, "Ora et labora," prayer and work. So he considered prayer to be a work. In fact, to be the primary and fundamental work of God, right? the The opus Dei, right? The mm-hmm. the, the work of God was praying the Divine Office. Now, the Psalms, of course, existed you know, long before St. Benedict. And so St. Benedict did two things. He read a document called The Rule of the Master, and there was also The Rule of Augustine. And so he drew from other rules that were around at the time, and then he organized life around the previous rules plus his years of contemplation and organized a life of what would be a way of praying and working in community. What does that look like? And so that's when he began to develop the rule. And he organized, he was the first one to organize the Psalms in a systematic way. And so the way the rule is constructed, you would pray all 150 Psalms every week, you know. Right. Uh, and there's still some monastic um, community that's, that that do that, pray the entire Psalter in one week. The house that I was in, in Newark, New Jersey, we, we did a two-week rotation of the Psalms. Yeah. So we did all 150 Psalms in two weeks um because uh, why Be- not because we're lazy right because <laughs> a lot of uh monasteries have apostolates you know to support themselves it's and they're and they're not contemplative like trappists and stuff are, are, are cloistered and more contemplative and doesn't have that much interaction with the world whereas some benedictine congregations like the one I was in the American Cassinese congregation founded from Germany um run active apostolate schools uh, high in my case a high school, St Benedict's Prep in Newark. Um, there's also another one, Dell Barton, in New Jersey as well, run by Benedictines. Colleges and universities, so Benedictin in Kansas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, run by St John's University in, in Collegeville, Minnesota. Run Belmont. By so uh, it's Belmont Yeah, Abbey, Bel, yeah Belmont. Right, right. Is, is also run by Benedict. So, so again, education, culture. Th- this was something that was fostered by St. Benedict. And obviously he didn't find college universities, but when education and learning began to expand, you know, people started to build their towns and build their lives around the monasteries, right? which was the centers of learning and culture at the time. So even see this day, if you ever go to Mount Angel Abbey in Oregon, you see they're up on the hill and the town kind of built up around the the monastery and, and monastic life there. Yeah. Um, so it's very, very beautiful to see.
1: You know, I encountered the Benedictines in my college days, so I had not met the Benedictines prior to getting a piece of mail, uh, you know, uh, asking me and inviting me to consider uh, St. Meinrad College. And, uh, so I sent the postcard back because the photos looked beautiful and made a visit. And that's when I met the Benedictines for the first time. Now, the Benedictines of St. Meinrid are of the other community in the United States. So you mentioned the, the Cassanese, uh, congregation. So that's like a, a federation of, uh, of communities of monasteries that are, uh, connected to one another, typically by, uh, Sending out monks to start a new house when a house gets too large because the houses each house each monastery is an ideal Christian community in which everything is shared and the brothers support one another through the fruits of their work through service to the community, internal ministry, as well as, as you say, some have apostolates where they work beyond the, the walls of the monastery. So these houses, then when they get too, you know, large enough for their physical space or for the size of their community, whatever it may be, they will send out monks to start a new community, which will then become known as, even though it's dudes, it'll become known as a daughter house. So the daughter houses then are connected to their mother house, uh, or to their, you know, founding monastery. And so all of these in America that are related to the communities of the Cassanese are all daughter houses of one another or sibling houses. I don't know if that's a real term, but uh, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. The other community long way to say is the Swiss American and they were founded. Uh, our mother house. Huh, see, I say our, listen to that. The mother yeah. house <laughs> of the Swiss Americans is Einsiedeln in uh, Switzerland. And that was a pilgrimage point in Switzerland. The, uh, uh, Bishop of Vincennes, Indiana, invited the Abbot of Einsiedeln to send monks to live among and to start a community, uh, a school for the German-speaking Catholics in Southern Indiana. And so they came in 1854 and uh, established this little daughter house of Einsiedeln, uh, named Saint Meinrid, uh, who was the whose. Hermitage became the Abbey of Einsiedeln, So that's the foundation of the Swiss-American Benedictine monks here in the United States. They, much like the Cassanese, it's just different customs for the most part. You know, uh, small little customs are, are interpretations of the rule of St. Benedict uh, in many cases. And and then also, as I say, mother house, daughter house relationships determine uh, much of those sorts of um uh, why there are two kind of major communities in the United States of, of Benedictines.
0: Yeah. And there are a couple of uh, others as well. Um, there's a uh, Christ in the desert uh, in New Mexico. Right. Those guys there and the, uh, the Benedictine house in Oklahoma. Um, oh, which clear is, Creek. Abbey. Uh, yes. Clear Creek. Right. Yeah, where where yeah. they're, um, uh, they're quite contemplative and, and they do what well, the office in Latin, right. Mass yeah. and, and, and the, yeah. A divine office liturgy hours in Latin. So great guys. So when uh, these men started coming to say, Benny, he's decided to organize a rule of life, a school of the Lord's service. So if he's so what what does the ideal life look like with men living together in community uh, with with the work of God, the opus dei or the structuring of praying. Uh, the Psalms, and he picked seven, right? Because seven times a day, Mm -hmm. uh, I will praise you, it says in the Psalms. So he organized uh, matins and laws and terse, sect, non, vespers, and compline, And the idea of sanctifying the day, right? So at these different hours of the day, the monks would come together and pray, uh, and the Psalms reflect some of them those times a day as well. Um, and of course, they had to work as well to support and sustain themselves. So it's a wonderful balance in the rule of praying and working. But he says nothing is to be re- preferred than the work of God, right? So I remember, like, if if I'm out if when I was a novice and I was like cleaning a bathroom or, or doing some weeding um, in the garden, you hear the bell. You know, you have to stop everything that you're doing and head to church for choir, right? Because you know, whatever you do, you have to stop put it down and boom head to church and that's still the case today um so the the idea was he's creating a community where the primary emphasis was the search for god and the search for god by listening right so, so there's a lot of silence built into monastic life because it's in that silence where you hear God's voice. And the, what I couldn't remember from last show was Psalm 46, verse 11. It says, be still and know that I am God,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Mm-hmm. And God he so be still and experience God. And that's what St. Benedict wanted his monks to do, to experience God in the life together as a community. And so he organized the life. So everything from who does the dishes to how the monks are supposed to sleep to what do when, when someone comes in and wants to join a community, what does that look like? Then he spent a lot of time organizing a rule of life um so so very simple things like um who's gonna do the dishes and who's going to take out the garbage and when when someone comes in and wants to join a community what does that look like mm-hmm. you know uh, what are the times for prayer which Psalms are said at what time so a very very structured and organized rule and I, and I have to say you know having lived that and experienced that I really enjoyed that. That you, you wake up, you don't have to think about what I have to wear today, what I have to do today. See, Benedict created created uh, an environment where the you don't have to think about anything. It's all uh, written out for you in the rule. You just have to just follow it, right? Oh. So you so you create an atmosphere where you don't have to think about what you're going to eat, what you're going to do. Just focus on God, right? right. And uh, and and that's really a lot about what I, I miss about monastic life, actually. Um, <laughs> So the again, the abbot was the father of the family. He was to take the place of Jesus in the monastery. And so he was to be shown the utmost respect uh for the monks there. And so we would call him father abbot, mm-hmm. which is kind of redundant because Abba means father, right? <laughs> we, we call you typically call uh a, a monk uh uh the, 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 the abbot father abbot and he wears like a bishop he wears a crucifix around his his habit um to to show um uh, that he is the the father the father
1: of the monastic family there, and he um, and he actually also carries a shepherd's crook or which is called a crozier, um, because he's the yeah. the shepherd of the community of the monastic community. That's right, that's right, and he wears a mitre as well. Ooh, you the know, pointy
0: hat. Um, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he wears the mitre and the crozier.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, again, because they're kind of their own little community there. And so as monastic life started to grow and spread, like you said, he had the house in Monte Cassino, and then that got too big. And so they started different houses that started to spread through Europe. And again, these houses were the center of of culture at the time. And a lot of towns were built up around the monastery. So, um, And uh, they were the ones who were the educators. They were the ones who were the keeper of culture and, and European traditions, language, art, music, all of these things were, um, you know, came out of the monastic tradition. Um, uh, And so we, we, we see that their influence to this very day, even though much of Europe and in many places, quite frankly, has been secularized, you know, um, our uh, uh, Joseph Cardinal, Joseph Rasker took the name Benedict, right? right? Because one of the things he wanted to do was to help revive the culture, you know? Um, So again, St. Benedict uh, cannot be, again, understated the tremendous influence uh, that he had in, in Western civilization. Uh, we're grateful to, uh, Pope St. Gregory the Great, um, for documenting, uh, most of, of what we know about his, his life, and, and, uh, uh, outside of the rule. And, um, so, you know, even for spiritual reading, you know, I know many people, for example, that organize their family life around the rule of St. Benedict. Um, you know, um, Oblates, you know, as we you know, or th- you know the the Dominican orders call the third orders like Dominicans and Franciscans, yep. call lay people who follow uh, that life in, in their in uh, outside of a a monastery or a friary. They they're called third order. Uh, for Benedict's, we we're called oblates. So uh, so we live the Benedictine rule as best as we can in our in our personal life, and in and, and I know so again some uh, even incorporate that to their family life. Yeah. You know the, the the Rule of Saint Benedict, so it's, it's a beautiful way to live, and we're so grateful for his tremendous contributions to to life and culture.
1: Are there any favorite uh, quotes or uh, phrases from the Rule that uh, that you like to pray with or think about?
0: Well, the one I I uh, in talks the one I say about the most is the the very opening line: "Listen, my sons, to the master's precepts and incline the ear of your heart." Right, so arm cordis, ear of the heart, and in Latin, it's a uh, um, precepta or majesty. No, let's see, um, escucha, precha, majesty, and clean arm cordis to e, something like that. Listen, my sons, to the master's precepts and incline the ear of your heart. And so, I, I think about that a lot listening, really focusing and listening to what God is saying, uh, to my life, you know, um, and how God is speaking in my life. So, when I'm praying the Psalms. You know, uh, which, in fact, a lot of the, the the church today organizes the Psalms based on the rule of St. Benedict, the way right. he organized the Psalms. Of course, we do it in a four-week cycle, you know. Right. Um, but again, this is all based on the foundation of St. Benedict. And so um, whenever I'm praying the office, which I love to do every day, you know, I'm thinking about how God is speaking to me, how I'm using God's gifts and talents in the world today and giving thanks to St. Benedict for, uh, for organizing uh, all of this.
1: Absolutely. Well, meeting St. Benedict has made all the difference in my life as well. So I think uh, I'm delighted to learn a little bit more about him today. And of course, um, we've run out of time, but there's so much more to say about St. Benedict, as there has been to say about everybody that we've talked about so far, because the saints are little reflections of the manifold and incomprehensible and endless beauty and love of God especially God's love for humankind, and God's desire to call humankind back to himself, which so much of Western civilization owes that mission to the role of St. Benedict. So thank you for introducing us to him. So we invite you to connect with us on Facebook. We're at Living Stones Media. You can also find previous episodes of the show at MaterDeiRadio.com. Deacon, until we gather next week, might we have a blessing.
0: May Almighty God bless you, keep you, and protect you, the Father, and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living
0: Stones with Ken Helanius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I Radio.com.